Welcome to the Voices from the Road podcast, episode number three, with me, Valerie Singleton. This time round, we offer an extended discussion focusing on just one year, 2014. Memorable headlines include the disappearance on the 8th of March of Malaysia Airlines, Flight 370, with 239 people on board and the shooting down of Flight 17 over Ukraine on the 17th of July with 298 people on board. There's the Russian annexation of Crimea, and the World Cup is won by Germany. King Juan Carlos of Spain abdicates, and his son is crowned Felipe VI. In the UK, Brenda Holmes is working with Norfolk Police to publish video footage of a road collision from the previous year in which her son David died on his motorbike. The footage was recorded using a camera attached to David's own helmet and it shows in very disturbing detail what happened when a car turned right across David's path on the A47. No one could have anticipated the impact of the video which was viewed millions of times on social media all over the world. Here now to reflect on David's story and why the decision was made to publish the video are David's mother Brenda and two retired Norfolk police officers my name's Chris Binks. Um, I'm a former Chief Inspector from Norfolk and Suffolk Roads Policing, uh, and I was one of the people involved in David's story. I'm Bren Holmes. I'm David's mum. I'm Charlie Sands. I was the investigating officer into David's road collision. We haven't sat round a table and spoke um, for eight years or more, so this is the first time that we've got together since we were involved in that. Um, and... It's important, I think, that, that we remind everybody of, of what happened and certainly the part that, that Brenda had to play in, in bringing this whole campaign um, to light. David Holmes was, was um, riding his motorcycle back from Kings Lynn towards Norwich uh, and he had a, um, a helmet camera on and that camera recorded the collision that he was tragically involved in, um, which ultimately took his life. David was action man, really. He was always busy. He packed a hundred years of living into his 38 years. He was never still for a minute. He was generous, he was kind, and his generosity wasn't only in terms of money, but his time and his thoughtfulness. He was good to everybody. He cared about the environment. He cared about everything. And he bought the helmet cam when he returned from working in Antarctica in February 2013, just three months before he died, to record what he saw going on on the roads. He was on the road quite a bit, not only on his motorbike, but also in terms of his job. And he wanted to use that for driver education. Chris and his team gave us the opportunity to use that camera for the greater good, really. They initially asked if they could use it for training and we readily agreed, both myself, my husband and my daughter, we all agreed that that would be what David wanted. So there was no hesitation, Um, that was what happened and we've never regretted it. When that went on to develop into David's story, having watched all the hours and hours recording on, on the DVDs from his helmet cam, I think there were 40 hours, I was told, um, Chris came up with this idea for road safety. I felt, well, my husband did too, 
that if we could prevent this accident happening to one more person to save one person's life, it would be worth it. And it's not only about the person who's lost their life or had their life changed by injuries. It's also about the family because the year following his death was absolutely horrendous. There are things to deal with like court cases, inquests, post-mortems, not in any particular order, of course, and none of them are geared to a grieving family. For example, it was two and a half weeks before I could visit David in the funeral home. All you want to see do as a, as a mum is visit your child, even knowing they're dead and not coming back. That's all you want to do. And that wasn't possible. We were eventually permitted to see him in the uh, mortuary after his post-mortem, but that was quite some time after he died because we weren't allowed to see him due to the possible contamination of evidence. Even through glass, we weren't permitted. I, I just felt that was so cruel. It didn't only happen to me. It happens to everybody in that situation, and it needs to be changed. The inquest didn't, couldn't happen until after the court case. The court case was put back umpteen times. Um, everything was weighted to the defendant and their team. In fact, we turned up to court one day to find that the hearing had been postponed and nobody even bothered to tell us. That's how wicked this sister is. And I want it changed. It's not only about David's death. This is about everybody that could potentially be faced with this situation. The, the story became a lot bigger than I initially imagined. My husband has never watched a video, he could never bring himself to, and it wasn't too long before he didn't want anything more to do with it. But he didn't stop me, fortunately. And he feels even now, approaching nine years since David's death, that it's time we let it drop. But I don't believe that. I think we need to keep on with this. As long as people are interested, we need to make it work because road deaths haven't changed. It's still the same. And only this week I heard about a young lad in the same county in Norfolk who lost his life in a, in a road crash and his mother spoke on the television. And I know exactly what that poor woman is going through, what the whole family is going through. Have we prevented any deaths? Never know. But if the possibility is there, it's still worth doing. The way that we we kind of kicked off how this was going to happen. It was obvious that the key to this being something different was not only having Brenda and the family's blessing to do it, but also having Brenda as part of it. And Charlie was, was the investigating officer and she'd you know had a, had a, a bit to do with, with, obviously with the family as part of that role. So I then said to her, right, Charlie, this is a bit of an awkward and an unusual request, but can you go and speak to Brenda and see what she thinks about this as an idea? So Charlie went round to see her. I did. And um, as Chris said, it was probably one of the most unusual situations I'd ever found myself in as a family liaison officer. Um, and I remember um, the day of the collision and going to the scene and seeing the green light on the helmet camera and that sort of stark realisation that we would have footage of the collision and that it was going to lead to just a just something that just went huge in relation to road safety it not only 
um, initially helped from an investigation point of view but when the thought of the road safety campaign came about and Chris had mentioned to me about it and and I think by that time I'd got a fairly good relationship with Brenda we we kind of saw eye to eye on a lot of things and I was really nervous about asking Brenda about using the video footage for the campaign but was absolutely bowled over by her huge amount of enthusiasm bearing in mind she was still going through an incredibly difficult grieving period with her family and friends um, and it was just incredible the support we got from Brenda and I am not ashamed to say that I cried quite a lot with Brenda during the whole process because it was just a very emotive time for all of those involved and something in my career I never had experienced and certainly will never experience again but it still resonates with me even now when I see motorcyclists on the road when I drive past that spot which I do regularly um, I always think of Brenda and I always think just how fabulous she was in supporting Norfolk Constabulary with getting this road safety message out and there I've, I've not met anybody in my career when I've spoken about things I've done that has never heard of David's story or seen it not just police officers and work colleagues but friends who ride motorcycles they've all seen it so the impact has been massive and it absolutely wouldn't have been possible without Brenda's involvement. So Chris when you came to see me you had our support we all agreed as a family that it was a good thing to do but social media had never been used like that before and I don't suppose you'd ever had recordings to use like this before uh, and I think your idea was amazing but who did you have to convince how difficult was it to get this rolling it was quite difficult um, the British police force is quite conservative with a small c and you're right it has never been done before or had never been done before um, and there was a lot of concern about putting the constabulary's name to something as as graphic and as powerful as this so I did have to convince people you know right to the top the chief did view the video because when I first saw it, I said, right, this we've got to do something with this. So I asked somebody to give him a ring and see if he would come and watch it. And I stood next to him and that was the second time I'd watched it and he, he saw it and at the end of it, he was dead silent. And he then said, put that on again. And he watched it again. Um, and I said to him, right, I think we need to do something with this. And he said, yeah, I need to think about that. So... Um, he went off and then and then we had lots of conversations with legal people with our communications team the the underlying feeling was yes we had to do something but there was a fair bit of nervousness about what are we going to do and how far are we going to go and as far as i was concerned there was only one way of doing this and that was making a video obviously i'd spoken to you a bit by then um and i knew how you were and how you felt about it and you know how you came across and it was too good an opportunity not to use so it took a little while to get it signed off but I just kept pushing and, and in the end you know we got there and we only got there because of of the people involved and and how passionate they were about it and and the support I got from the team and from Brenda and the family to to get it out there. But eventually um, it was it was released um, in its entirety as, as Chris had wanted it and um, it, we just rolled with it. It took off. Uh, I can remember being on duty the day it was released and seeing the launch and kind of signing into YouTube on my phone to watch the video and getting really excited when it got to a thousand views, then five thousand views and within 
I want to say an hour, it was a million views. And then by the end of the day, it was five million views. And, and it just kept going up and up. And the shares it was getting and the comments it was getting, it was just mind-blowing. I don't think anybody had ever seen anything like it before. And I think the constabulary then realised what an amazing thing they'd done and how fabulous Brenda had been to support it along the way. And then on the back of that, Brenda became involved in several road safety um, campaigns and issues with colleges and education just to offer her advice and how it feels to be on the other side of the coin as such. And so I think the knock-on effect was not just road safety from motorcyclists and motorists, but educating those that are then coming into that, the young drivers and the youngsters, to just the catastrophic effect that behaviour on the road can have on families and the and the long-term effect. So the, the effect of that video was just huge. I'd like to add, really, that if people haven't seen this or listened to this, we didn't just release the video of the journey. We put together uh, an introduction and a kind of scene setting, if you like, which Brenda was involved in. And I think I'm right in saying you hadn't had much uh, exposure to the media before this happened. And so it was, she took to it like a duck to water. And so she had a, you know, she had a, a part all through the video where she was talking about David and, and how he, how she felt about what had happened and, and the impact. And then the video was, you know, was going through that. So it was quite, a, you know, it wasn't just, oh, well, here's this video, let's bang it out there. It was important that we actually put context around it. And, and that's really powerful as well, because David wasn't somebody who, you know, was young, got a motorbike and was driving irresponsibly. We'll all admit that he was over the speed limit, but, you know, he wasn't driving, riding dangerously. And, you know, he had done all sorts of things in his life. He had, you know, really responsible jobs and, and he was basically, uh, you know, it could be any one of us that's out there. And that was what connected. And also, we talk about the car driver who was, you know, convicted for, for death by, um, by careless driving because he had a part to play in the collision. And obviously there's the speed aspect with, with David on the bike. This video was able to connect with not only car drivers, but also motorcyclists which made it even more, you know, of, of, a, of a rounded campaign. And the conversations going on after it had been released were, you know, some people were saying, oh, well, it was down to the motorbike, oh, it was down to the car. And I, and I went out and said, look, everyone's missing the point. Who's blaming one or the other? What we're trying to say is that this happens and this could happen to any one of you, whether you're to blame or not. And if you're in a, in a car or riding a bike, you all have a responsibility to other people that are on the road. Chris, do you remember we'd already spoken to Brenda about releasing the video and then we felt we needed to speak to the driver of the car. Can you recall what their reaction was as a family? Yeah, I felt it was only right that we notified the family of the of the car driver who, you know, survived what we were going to do and also offer them an opportunity to be involved because, you know, there's always two sides to every story, but they refused point blank to be involved. That was their prerogative. At the time, I was a little bit annoyed because I felt that we were missing, you know, that piece of the jigsaw. But if now when I look back on it, I'm actually pleased that we didn't dilute the the, the part that the Holmes family had in it. And actually by not having 
other involvement it meant that we could concentrate solely on on that aspect which was the you know how it had affected and because Brenda comes along across so well on you know in in media and interviews and everything I think it made it even more powerful when this all kicked off um my phone did start ringing but that was really only the local newspapers but what astounded me was that I was contacted mostly by um, email by um, people from Israel, from New Zealand, from far-flung countries that I've never even thought about visiting, who wanted to use the video for mostly educational purposes. And everything came through the press office at Norfolk Constabulary, which saved me from an awful lot of phone ringing, really. Um, And I must say, they were fabulous. And I was happy to participate in whatever I could to help. Um, It was mostly phone interviews from the um, foreign countries. Uh, I did radio interviews. Um, And we we had the news crew come a few times to our house. Um, But really, most of it was done through the press office. I've still got this image of when we did the launch um, and we had all of the, you know, the, the press were there, TV were there, newspapers, radio... And sitting with Brenda on this table in a in the conference room at, at the police headquarters, and you know you see on the TV when there's politicians with all those microphones in front of them. Well, we had exactly that, and um, Brenda wasn't phased at all. It you know it it just she's focused, and this is what she wants to deliver, and and none of the other stuff is going to get in the way. I was you know I'd done some media stuff before, but nothing like this. And and I was sitting there looking at this forest of microphones, thinking, oh my god, what am I doing here? Brenda didn't just she was just you know delivering the message and getting her across and Brenda was an absolute inspiration to me you know I was coming to the end of my career I'd done sort of 25 years at that point and I'd never met anyone like like Brenda and and still haven't and and that's why I feel it's a massive privilege for me to to have been involved in in this campaign one of the aspects that hasn't really come out about David's story was the bane of social media which is the negative attitude that people have for some reason they feel that it's okay to voice their inappropriate opinions about what people have done on social media and this was no exception you know we we had a lot of comments from people saying you know it was it was his fault it was you know he shouldn't have been riding like that and those were the people that I tried to point out that they were totally missing the point of the whole campaign um, but certainly for Brenda that must have been really difficult to see that. I learned to ignore it. Um, everyone's entitled to their opinion. Not everyone's going to like what we did but of course these people with their negative attitudes are the ones that we needed to get at. The ones that did upset me initially were the, those that said David deserved it, he was feeding. Nobody deserves to lose their life whatever they've done. So I think in conclusion we can say that the David story was just an absolute monumental success worldwide, something that none of us had actually envisaged. So I put the question to you both, if we were ever in that situation again, would we do it again? Absolutely, in a heartbeat, no doubt whatsoever. Um, no, I wouldn't want any changes. It all worked out far better than I could have imagined. And that, that positivity from Brenda just then sums it up for me. I can still see and hear her saying to me, you know, time and time again in the, in the time we were working together, if I can just prevent one family going through 
what our family's been through, then this will be a success. The tragedy for me, apart from the obvious, is that we can never know which people, you know, this this saved, which people got home that night that wouldn't have done had their behaviour not been modified by by watching Brenda and, and watching the video. We just have to accept from anecdotes and talking to people that there were a hell of a lot of people who that resonated with and who modified their driver behaviour and that's the best that you can hope for with any road safety campaign. David would be over the moon with the outcome and I'm sure he's up there looking down and he's seen the video I'm sure a million times and I think he would be more than happy than to leave that as his legacy. And also he would be incredibly proud of you, absolutely, um, you know, as, as we are and as I said, privileged to have been involved with you. It wasn't just me, it wasn't only me, it was we wanted to prevent another death. That was the very brave Brenda Holmes with Chris Binks and Charlie Sands reflecting on the release of David's story in 2014 and the impact that it made across the world. And that brings us to the end of the latest episode in the Voices from the Road podcast. I'll be back next time with another selection from our podcast archive. But for now, from me, Valerie Singleton, it's goodbye. <laughs>